guys, and welcome back to another episode of That's My Personal Business. We are taking a break from the summer recap. I am coming to you live-ish. I am coming to you actually like five days earlier than this podcast, but for me, that's basically live, as live as it gets on the podcast. So welcome back. Welcome. Whether it's your first time here, one millionth time here, I'm so happy to have you. I am your host, Eden Strader. I am a destination wedding photographer turned business coach, and now I get to help hundreds of creatives like yourself build better businesses for better lives. And I'm so excited for today's episode. It is going to be an absolute banger. But before we get to it, I get to tell you the most exciting news, which is an in-person workshop slash retreat is finally dropping. I... I'm giddy. So as you guys know, earlier this year, as in in January, I hosted the Becoming Retreat, which was the first Becoming Retreat ever. It was the first in-person event that I had like really hosted in years and years and years. And it was so magical. And I knew that I wanted one-on-one retreats to be like a little bit more rare, a little bit. Like there's so, so much work and like so much of an emotional investment and in the best way, but also like if you're not careful with that, you can get burnt out. And so I thought about like hosting one again this summer and I was like, you know what? No, I think we just need to play it chill. We're just going to do these like once or twice a year. And so this next retreat is going to be the only one in 2023. This is the last and only one that you will see for the rest of the year. And I'm so excited because we are partnering with the absolutely incredible Molly McCauley of Make Pretty Workshops. So Let me go ahead and get ahead. I'm going to tell you just like a few little highlight points of this workshop, and then we're going to link it for you down below so that you can apply and read more. But I am so excited to announce that we are partnering with Make Pretty Workshops for a photography business retreat in Tulum, Mexico, which I'm just like, can't tell you how excited I am. I love Tulum. You guys have been in my DMs talking about Tulum for like literally a year plus and we're finally having it happen. It is going to be a crazy intimate group. We're only allowing 12 people to come. We're doing pre-retreat work, post-retreat work. We are doing multiple, like I'm talking like three plus <laughs> incredible high-end luxury shoots by Make Pretty. Um, Molly hosts the most amazing luxury photography workshops and retreats, you guys. Um, if you're not familiar with her, please go follow her. But one of my favorite things about Molly, who you're going to hear from next, is learning about how she did these styled shoots that completely changed the trajectory of her career. She did like three insanely strategic styled shoots that made her double her income. And and like literally double her package pricing. And she went from like average of 5,200 to average of 10,000 in like a couple of weeks. And now she charges anywhere from like 15 to 18K as her average, which is just so cool, so revolutionary, so wild, but also so attainable. And like that is her whole goal with Make Pretty is showing you being able to curate for you these shoots that can completely change the trajectory of your wedding career, which is just amazing. So she is going to be doing the most luxury, professional, high-end, amazing shoots for us. We're also going to be learning from her when it comes to aesthetic point of view, portfolio creation. And then of course, I, your girl, will be there teaching on marketing strategy, curation. You're going to get headshots. You're going to get multiple editorial shoot opportunities. You're going to get one-on one time. You're going to get insight to online education. You're going to get to work alongside some of our amazing connections in the industry. It's going to be like absolutely insane. And then on top of that, we are staying at quite literally the most beautiful place in Tulum I have ever seen in my life. When I tell you Molly and I spent 
months finding the perfect place to host this retreat. It is everything you could ever want and more out of a retreat. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just so excited to stay there. Like it is so beautiful. Like I, I can't even, I'm not even going to try to describe it. Please just go look at it on the sales page. It's absolutely incredible. And the last thing I'll say about it, other than just encouraging you to go look at it, read about the the process, the retreat, where it's going to be, everything like that. It was really important to us that we broke down what the value of this workshop is. And so not including accommodations, not including food, not including our luxury villa and everything we're going to be doing in it. The value of this retreat is like over $10,000 just from the shooting and education alone. And that was like us underestimating. Like we were like, let's say bare minimum of what we're teaching. Let's take out like half of the master classes. Still, it was over a $10,000 value that wasn't including like the over $5,000 value of just staying in the place. Like, we're just so excited about it. We really want to make this accessible. It's going to be taking place in November um, so that you can completely revolutionize your portfolio, your work, your strategy, your business backend systems during slow season, and then be ready by booking season with just a completely new and luxury business. So we're offering custom payment plans so that that isn't what keeps you from joining us in November. So I'm going to put the link down below. I literally cannot wait. I'm giddy in my bones. It literally feels like Christmas, like it was so important to Molly and I both that we provided a retreat where not only you would build a really strategic and beautiful high level end and like luxury portfolio, but then you would then be given the skills and the to-do list and the next steps and tangible tips tips that you can not only execute then but execute moving in your business for forever um like on the back end of that as well so that you don't leave scrambling knowing what to do so there's so much going into this workshop it's absolutely insane we've been working on it for months and months and months so we will link that for you below please go take a look and now deep breath you get to learn from molly i love learning from molly she is so direct so blunt it's one of my favorite things about her she is so truthful like she is one of the few people in the industry i can trust to just give it to you straight the nitty-gritty in a way that is so helpful when you're wanting to expand yourself in your career so we are talking all about the styled shoots that she put together that changed the trajectory of her career how to break into luxury weddings what luxury weddings even mean what the tiers of that are how to you know actually keep track and be aware of an ROI when you're investing in yourself and your business like if you're curious about coming and joining us at the Tulum workshop even more reasons to listen to this podcast so that you can understand like what does ROI even mean when investing in yourself all of that good stuff so it's time to hear from molly mccauley again come join us in tulum we only have 12 spots it's application only we will be reviewing applications um and molly's audience got access first but it's officially going live today so these are going to fill out like so quickly molly always sells out within a couple days so i have no doubt that we're going to fill up tulum really within the week or so so don't hesitate fill out an application we can build a custom payment plan for you and we will see you in tulum all right let's dive in Welcome back to the podcast. Today we have Molly McCauley on. I'm so excited. I feel like I have a harder time using my like typical podcast intro voice with you because I know you and like have known you for so long now that I'm like, it's Molly. I want the show. I want the showtime voice. Give me me all the glitz and glamour. (laughs) (laughs) No, but for real so excited to have you on the podcast I love learning from you um I love working with you I think one of my favorite things about us is that we have like very similar things in common in the way that we work but also we have like such different styles such different ways of executing things so I feel like I learn so much from you always 
I feel like I because I'm so much older than you it's like a big sister little sister situation where I'm just like oh I'm gonna tell you about this which is like old and crotchety and you're gonna be like the young person who knows what to do and tells me what to do on my technical things I literally forget that you're older than me for real like in my head you're like early 30s so in my head you're like always only a couple years older than me and then you remind me how old you are and I'm like there's no way not that you're old but I'm just like no you're only a couple years older than me that's weird what areas are creasing that's not it's (laughs) I'm that old oh my Um, gosh but I don't act my age so that's that works in my favor helps um okay so for those of those who don't know you yet could you please introduce yourself also really quick I'm like I think last time you were on the podcast you had a whole different business name I don't think you'd even launched make pretty yet or you were about to you know what I don't even know I'd have to like go back and and I think yeah i I think we talked about how I accidentally became a photographer and, mm-hmm. and held Brad Pitt's hand. Those were like the two main points of that. Yes, podcast. we definitely <laughs> did talk about Brad Pitt. Okay. So um, reintroduce yourself now that literally you've launched an entirely new business and rebranded your own. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. So I'm Molly McCauley. I have been a destination wedding photographer since 2009. So I'm entering my 15th year. Um, really just lucky to be from a very creative family. I grew up where art was nurtured. So I'm very fortunate in that sense. Uh, went to school for art, like did all the things. Uh, I'm probably one of the few people who has multiple degrees. I've got my, you know, under undergraduate in art, but also my master's in fine art photography. Goal there was always to teach. Uh, never got there really uh, in the collegiate level, which was the plan. But um I've worked in fashion, uh, design, lived in London for a year where I worked for a fashion house, lived in, uh, you know, Los Angeles. And I'm now as of uh, 2021 by coastal between LA and New York. And yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of all over the place. My business, um, like I said, kind of started on accident. I was working for a wedding planner. So I was a planner actually for seven years before I really was more of a on, on the vendor side um, of weddings and my friends just started getting married and you know my they put two and two together that I could work a camera and I happened to be in the wedding industry and that's how I started photographing weddings and I traveled uh, very early on um, and because I love travel so much I made it a very you know specific point to showcase that early in my career so it just all snowballed from there. Um, and finally getting back to the education roots in 2021 is when I expanded to the East coast, but also launched make pretty workshop, which is my editorial workshop series that is really focused on high fashion design driven, uh, content that is really in an intimate setting limited to six people when it's just my workshop. And um, yeah, it's it's really nice. It allows hands-on guidance for people who are looking to up-level. If you are really secure in your market and you just want some you know, updated content, it's great for that too. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's just a nice marriage between creativity, but also, you know, uh, getting into that refined up-leveling of your business as well. Uh, mentorship and all of that comes along with that, but the workshops uh, were what got me really excited about getting back into education. I love it all. 
we love it all <laughs> um okay wait I want to hear so many things first of all I love hearing about anyone that's been in the industry 10 years plus because I'm like just under the 10 year mark and so I feel like I have a lot of conversations with people about like how much the industry has changed how much the online space has changed in the last 10 years so more than or like in the last even just seven years I think I'm coming up on my eighth um but prior to that I'm like you were looking at marketing and a social like landscape and an online landscape like so so different than what we're working with today um and one of the things that I always love talking to you about obviously is your styled shoots and like how much styled shoots have changed not only your business and your artistry but also your income because I think a lot of people think of they think of styled shoots as like just play or like for fun which they can be and like I'm a huge proponent of but they also can be really strategic in bettering your income um and I want to first hear about like what your portfolio looked like and how you curated it when the online space like wasn't what it is today like when you weren't having to present constant content is that a question enough of a like is that phrase as a question enough <laughs> yeah I got you um yeah. So back when I started and you were like a toddler, I, um, I mean, you more than anyone can guess there was no strategy. I had no strategy. There was nothing. Uh, what I am very naturally quote unquote gifted at is connecting with people. And I used networking as my number one and only strategy. Yes, I occasionally did, you know, online listings or something like that with the nod or whatever, um, all of those. And you get scammed just enough times to pay for advertising and see that it doesn't work to like learn your lesson um, and all that good stuff. But in terms of how I've seen things shift and how I've used strategic marketing and with your help too, um, I, I feel like it's, it's really been the past five years have kind of been wild. I think things have just gone absolutely crazy. And for people like me who have a hard time, I don't have a hard time with change, but I would say that like, I'm not as quick to evolve as your generation and like people who are like so much more like quick witted with technology and all the different things and not being overwhelmed with all the options. So mm -hmm. I would say my marketing was probably only putting stuff out on Instagram occasionally when, when that all kicked off um, and networking. That was, that was the extent of it. I will say that because the primary base of my market was Southern California, a lot of my stuff looked the same. And that's when I started to feel very stagnant, very uninspired and wasn't quite sure what I was doing like it was like why am I why am I spending time in this space why am I giving up first of all my weekends to do carbon copies of the same wedding over and over for no money like I wasn't charging enough there was just there were so many elements of it that didn't feel great so for me the creative side I would say I, I haven't been to a lot of styled shoots but I do when I had the opportunity, I, I would go to shootouts or I'd go like observe or I'd, or I'd be a part of a team that was producing something. Um, and I, I always found that the creativity when the pressure was off from a client 
was so much more fun, lighthearted. Everyone got a chance to, like you said, play a little bit more, but you know, that's the opportunity also to learn. And I learned a lot um, on the hands-on side of like producing things and witnessing how other people put things together and learning what to do, what not to do and like what I liked. Mm -hmm. And Make Pretty actually started out of I mean, quite frankly, I was sick of the weddings I was shooting and I, I was, I was about to wrap it up. I was real quick. I was applying to universities to teach. I had all different plans and, and then I just kind of was like, well, no, like there's a space for everyone and someone just has to show up differently. And the thing that I found in most styled shoots or editorials or workshops was they all kind of look the same. And it's not that they weren't beautiful. It's not that it wasn't high end or luxury or any of that. They have all the details, um, but it just wasn't a setting in which I thought I would thrive. Do I know that I'm always going to get what I need? Yes, but I don't like elbowing people. I don't like shooting under armpits no. and over shoulders. <laughs> so for me, it's like I wanted to have a much more open um, learning space for myself, but also just the creative space. And so Make Pretty was really born out of filling that gap aesthetically. I don't fall into the romantic side of wedding photography in a sense of fairy tales in yeah, castles and all this stuff. Is it cool? Yes. But is that my demographic and what I'm interested in? No. So for me, I wanted to put together things that were aesthetically more in tune with my artistic voice, my point of view, how I wanted to show up, the people I wanted to attract. So um, end of 2019, beginning of 2020, you know, in the perfect timing. Right mm -hmm. this, um, I put together three editorials for myself. I was very strategic. They were very expensive. And I said this was going to be my my effort in making a shift in my business. And if it didn't work, that was cool. I have another, I have a plan. I always have a plan. Um, but I, I wanted to give it one last shot and see if it was something that I could do and, and have it be the best of all the worlds, right? Like yeah. minimalistic design, but that was still what I love this term now, quiet luxury. That's what I like to think of when it comes to like the designs that I push it make pretty is because it's not necessarily maximalism or like very lush over the top design. It really is intentional. And that doesn't mean that it needs to be a million different flowers. It just can be textures and fashion and things incorporated in unique ways. So for me, it was really important to create that content that was higher level, would shift who I was attracting and the type of aesthetic that um, my business was putting out there. So that's when I rebranded um, yeah. visually. Oh and then my name, I actually finally changed this at the beginning of this year. So yeah, I know it was like, it was one of those things that when you changed to Tamale Macaulay, I was like, oh, I forgot that that wasn't it the whole time. Like it just <laughs> was such a natural rebrand. Yeah. Like it was just so you. So it made so much sense. Um, okay. So, so many questions. One to start when you were 
wanting to see this shift in your business, which I think like a great thing to draw attention to and know is I love that you were like, I just felt like I was shooting the same thing over and over again, which I think a lot of people get to like that point of stagnancy. Like you set this goal on what you want to shoot and then you finally reach it. And then it's really easy to just get stuck there. And like, and it can so get a little bored. repetitive. I yeah. I was so bored. But the, and, and there is a space and there are photographers and there are wedding vendors who if you find your sweet spot and that is just your cash cow and that's what you need because you have a family or because you have another job that you equally love or whatever, great. But for me, it was just so unfulfilling. And it yeah. didn't mean that those weddings weren't beautiful. It just meant I had evolved. So how did you put together, like when it comes to putting together these style shoots that like not only shifted the trajectory of your wedding career, like wedding photography career, but also then led to make pretty obviously. But um, how did you, what was kind of like your strategy when it came to prioritizing your own artistic voice, needs, wants, whatever you want to call it in terms of what you wanted to see represented in these shoots while also being strategic about like what the clientele was that you were wanting to move into and what they were needing to see. Like, how did you kind of like conduct that research, meld that gap, like make sure that like both of those things were being served? Yeah. So number one, I think um, producing your own styled shoots or editorials is not for everyone. And I'm not, I don't say this, I, I say that because I don't want the way that I talk about it to come across as very lackadaisy. I just happen to, like, I've always loved hosting parties. I love coordinating things. I'm just a type A psycho, which you know. <laughs> so you you get, you get know the inside track to my brain. But, like, I love that part of it. I love entertaining. I love all of that. So for me, this was fun. All those details, that was very fun to orchestrate. It's a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. So for me, I made kind of non-negotiable lists of the level of content that I wanted, what needed to be included. Obviously, I'm like trying to be budget conscious. So the, the budget's always in the back of my mind. But to me, it was worthwhile to spend more than I had wanted or to spend more knowing I'd get it back on a long run because this is an investment, right? So I had these non-negotiables of what needed to be included. Within that was just stuff that I've learned over, you know, 14, 15 years of the industry, because even before I started shooting weddings, I was working in weddings on the planning side. So it's like, I saw what went in to producing luxury events. And, you know, there's just these key elements the details, certain elements of a wedding day that can really make it feel elevated. So I really focused on that. I made sure I partnered with collaborative partners that were of the same mindset and headspace as me, really wanting to push the envelope, not create something that had already been seen. So really just being a little more experimental so that that work was a little bit more leveraged for us, that it wasn't feeling like the masses. So that was really important. And then because I've always worked in destination and because I want to attract more destination clients, my focus was creating enough content from the editorials that made it seem like multi-day events. That is a huge, mm. huge part of making sure you have a well-rounded storyline and how you can make this body of work uh, 
come across as a legitimate piece of work, not that we're trying to fool anyone, but actually that there was effort put in that, oh, this could be, could have been a welcome party. This was the engagement session. This is the wedding. This is the after party. This is the honeymoon session. And on flat lays, it's not just shoes. It's not just paper goods. It's a welcome bag so that they see whatever their location is. If it's Italy, there's a bunch of citrus coming out and limoncello and like all this stuff, right? So being very strategic about the type of venues that I shot in, even though all of them were in California, um, they, they were very um, easy to target other destinations based on the type of venue it was and the type of content that I produced. So I know that was long-winded and I feel like I answered like the first part of the question and now I forgot what the second part was. No, it was still crazy helpful. Um, no, I think you answered the question because the question was just like, how did you kind of combine what you wanted and what you wanted to shoot and like see represented in your own work while also making sure like, how can I be strategic enough that this does something for my portfolio yeah. and like essentially has an ROI. But also you had mentioned attracts the couple, like how, how much of this was for me and how much of it was for my future clients. And mm -hmm. the big part there was focusing on multi-day events. I wanted to attract that type of client really focused on intricate and interesting design. Mm -hmm. um, so that doesn't need to be again, over the top. It just needs to be something other people haven't seen. So yeah. just original works of art, essentially. And then lastly, fashion, because I have a fashion background, that was a huge thing. I was sourcing from designers that um, I envision my future clients wearing and working with. So it was really important to have all of those elements involved, not just for my creative sake, but to make sure it was actually targeting the people that I was hoping to reach. I love that. I think that's a perfect answer. And I think that's also like something I've seen photographers, especially because so content days were not a thing when I got started. Like content days are so new. Um, same with workshops. Like I went to a workshop in the very beginning of my career, I want to say like 2017. Um, like I'd been doing it for like two years and I went to learn um, from Jessica Janae she still does photography, but like mostly on the side now, but, um, I went more with the intention of like learning her artistic process and like what she was like as a photographer. Um, and so she had incredible style shoots. Like they were so amazing. Um, but they, I was a wedding photographer and they were like crazy editorial. So like, it wasn't really, I don't think I ever even, I think I maybe posted a photo or two line, really. yeah. yeah. And like, that was okay. That wasn't what I went for, but this concept of going to education based or like content based things, retreats, workshops, whichever one wasn't really a thing when I first started. And so now as I've coached people looking into them or wanting to go to them to expand their portfolio, um, it's been really interesting to see the juxtaposition of styled shoots of like, oh, this is so clearly to book a certain kind of audience versus like, this is a pretty shoot. Like it's just pretty. And, well, and I think too, just to cut you off rudely, yeah. <laughs> um, I I think there is a lot of misconception that when you say style shoots or workshop, that it's all the same. It's not. There mm -hmm. are content days, there are styled shoots or editorials. Editorials to me feel like they're like a little bit more up leveled. Workshops in my brain 
when I think of workshop, to me, that, that means there's other components. It's not just shooting, it's guidance, it's education, it's access to the person. There's some sort of education learning part aside from just shooting. And yeah. then of course, obviously like multi-day workshops, which are maybe like more focused on business and education with some elements of shooting or like an even balance. Um, so there's so many different levels of it that I think it's important to differentiate too, you know, not all workshops are created equal. Equal, Yeah. And I think like something across the board creatives like have a really hard time conceptualizing is an ROI, which is return on investment for anyone who doesn't know what that means, but it's basically like what you're going to get out of what you're putting in. And I see this in everything from like marketing to like investing in education of some sort or content days or whatever it may be. Um, every time you're either spending time or energy, you should be calculating, especially in your business, like what that's going to look like on the back end. Like, what are you going to get out of that? And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes they see photographers make when investing in, let's just say like a plain old content day is it's like, is this actually going to help your portfolio? Is it just going to add pretty content or is it going to help you book more work? Because those are two like very different things. So what I wanted to ask you, um, kind of going back, I know you mentioned like the first, the three style shoots that you put together that like really changed the trajectory of your career. Um, they cost a lot of money. I would love to know like on average, how much a styled shoot kind of cost, like, let's say one of them, what did one of them cost? And then what your average booking price was after that? Like, I would love to have the tangible numbers of like, this is what I was charging before I did this. I paid this much to put together my own like personal styled shoot. This is what my pricing looked like after. Like, do you know those numbers? Cause I, I think it's so important for people to see that like when you do things strategically and like just because they're strategic doesn't mean they didn't, can't be like personally fulfilling and amazing just like as an artist. Um, but like when you do it really strategically, what that looks like on the back end. Yeah, I do. Um, I do have those numbers. Some of them are looser than others because honestly, it was just me. So like I didn't care as much. I wasn't answering to anyone who had a budget. Yeah. Um, but for example, one of the shoots, mind you, I'm paying venues. I'm paying models. I'm paying... Uh, florist, hair and makeup, you essentially are the client. You are the bride, the groom, you are whoever it is, right? And um, so I'm also a proponent of paying people their rate. I, I, if, if there is a way to work creatively together where both parties feel happy, awesome. And I'm so lucky that on those, I did have a number of creative partners where they also saw value in getting the content. So there was a lot of, you know, uh, trades of, you know, Hey, I, I'll come on and do this for you, or I'll work out a deal with this vendor um, for a discount if we do this for them or whatever. And, and at that point it was wheeling and dealing and I was happy to do it because, you know, there was, there was no other reason not to. Um, I would say on the very, very low end, one of my shoots costs approximately seven to eight K on the low end. And that's with trades. That's with people doing favors. It's my brain with, just like, 
I know. Well, to me, and, and now that I produce this stuff on a larger scale, like that to me is I was like, oh, oh, that's that's a great, that's a great rate uh, for the amount of content that I know that we produced. What we did, I stayed on site. It was a hotel. I stayed on site, um, or everyone stayed on site. Uh, it was, you know, models rates. It was food. It was all the things. Um, that one also, I brought on a BTS videographer so that I could have very curated branded content with this new stuff, um, or the new, not new stuff, new, you know, new aesthetic, uh, that my current clients weren't used to seeing. So I wanted mm -hmm. to make sure it was hitting every, you know, every touch point. Um, so yeah, I will say on a, on a more bare bones one we could probably do it maybe three to five k but that's like you're it, you know you're, yeah you, you get what you pay for essentially um and I really wanted to build these out so I would say that I was at that time charging I was in a sweet spot at 56.50 as my average yeah. as my average wedding collection I would occasionally occasionally book like a 7200 or something like that um on a one-off every so often but I had three or four years at that price point just not very happy about it because I also know myself and I knew that if I did volume if I did 40 weddings a year that I wouldn't have been able to survive as long as I have so for me I was never volume and I needed to figure out a way to make more money in order to make it sustainable Yep. And not have side gigs or like to actually go full time. Um, so it was really important to me to start to create that, that had that higher feel and three weeks, uh, this timeline's wild. Three weeks after I launched, I had three of my three, three inquiries within my, um, in my inbox all the three lot one right after the other just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger the three largest inquiries I've ever had the three largest budgets I'd ever pitched and the three largest weddings I had ever booked uh I went from 56.50 to 10.2 in three and a half weeks that's literally okay so so I was gonna say that doesn't mean miraculously something changed overnight other than my commitment to my craft and showing how I wanted to show up here and out and being committed to creating that work. Mind you, I wasn't brand new in the industry. So I, I don't recommend like walking into the industry and saying I'm worth 10 to like, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I made the conscious decision of, I had put in so much work and I had already been in the industry long enough to know, okay, I'm not new and I can do this. And uh, that gave me a lot of confidence. Well, I think it's like, twofold, right? Like one, if you're in a space in your business where you can delegate five to $10,000 to investing in yourself in whatever way that looks like, great. I always tell people, I'm like, if you're in a place to do that, do that. Because even to just compare, let's say the average, I know you said like on the lower end was seven to eight K. So let's say like, you know, let's say nine K like was your average investment to then be able to book an average of a five figure package, like you paid off that investment in one booking, just like one booking. One booking. And so I think anytime anyone comes to me for one-to-one -one workshops, which if anyone does, if that doesn't make sense, it's an actual branded workshop around your brand. 
So this is not one that you're attending with other people. It is something that is curated specifically for you and your brand in mind. So that's like what I did for myself, right? And every time I talk to people about that, because a starting investment is anywhere between eight to 10K. And that's what I tell them that up front. And I said, it just depends how hard you want to go, how I will work as many deals as I can, but it also is like, how, how, how big do you want this to be? So it's like, if we do 8K or 10K, you could yield different results. And that could be a loan, uh, you know, a $5,000 difference. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just important to know, know that. And what you had said, it pays for itself in one booking. If you do it, if you do it right. Yeah. If you do it right. Yeah. And I think that's like one of the things, I mean, I went on a rant. I'm sure you saw on Instagram the other day. That's like, some education is so good and some education is so bad (laughs) right now. And I think like one of the best ways before you even start looking at things to invest in to ask yourself is like, how much do I want to increase my income by investing in myself? And then what would make that a proper ROI? Because it's like, if I want to start, you know, or let's say right now I earn 50K and I want to earn 100K, it's like, okay, I'm looking to double my prices. So like, what am I willing to pay to double my prices? Right. Um, for you, you know, that literally was a doubling of your pricing. Or um, I was just talking to a girl and becoming one of my girls and she was like, you were the most money I'd ever spent. She booked becoming when it was around like $10,000. And she was like, it was absurd to me. Like I just like could barely wrap my head around that number. But then I was able to book a 9k package when her packages, like when she started with me, I think they were at like two or three. Um, And she was like, I booked like a five figure package within a couple months. So it was like, it literally took one booking um, to pay that off. And I think that's one of the things that people need to think of more rather than just like, it can be so alarming to see education and see a big price tag. And sometimes you should be scared. We know that, but like really thinking about like, what is my goal here? And what would be the ROI for that? Like, is that investment worth what I'm trying to go for? And then, you know, obviously we could have a whole podcast about vetting those people and like what that looks like. But I think it's like really Thank you for sharing those numbers because I think like if you just out of the blues told someone you doubled your pricing, they would be like, how did you do that? Yeah, like uh, how did you double your value? Yeah, and how like, did you double I your value? Double my value. I wasn't taking myself seriously before. Yeah, that's and really then, what it was. But also and like a, it took a big investment. That's a lot of money that you invested in yourself. So I did, I would say I invested probably at least 10K into, and that includes branding sessions that includes website design that includes all the stuff like 10k plus uh, you know in these three shoots and all of this prep to reintroduce myself to the world as I was still Molly and co at that point but like to reintroduce this visual aesthetic and I even checked one of the the planners who reached out to me right after I I called her and I said hey thanks so much for sending this wedding my way. I'm not sure if you noticed, but I did a rebrand and I want to make sure that, you know, the visuals and everything that I'm doing aligns because it's Mm -hmm. different than what I've done with you in the past. And she said, no, that's exactly why the client wants you. And so like, that's what I'm saying, putting that stuff out there and being so specific, like in my brain, they'll, I know it sounds stupid to like trust it, but like, the people will find you. And then it's like the time and time again, referrals from other vendors in the industry that also appreciate your aesthetic, you start to develop those relationships and the working relationships. And 
quite frankly, as you move out of budget and mid-market and even high level into entry-level luxury, mid-luxury, ultra-luxury, your clients change. Your clients are no longer the couple. Your clients are the planners. So mm-hmm. that, there is a major part of education, like you said, that like um, I've I've always invested in education for myself in the past, for the past 10 years. Some, some has been great, some has been bad. I feel like I've tried also try to not let the bad discourage me from trying again. Like Mm -hmm. there are great educators and there are people sometimes that just need to help you see something from an outside perspective because you get in your way too much. When I say you, I mean me. Um, So like outsourcing, getting all the help, getting an outside perspective, marketing, any of the things, like you said, if you can just invest in, in, you know, in that ROI, like I knew that working with your agency and your team, that the stuff that I had been dreading or putting off and, or slash just not doing it all, um, would eventually can create consistency, which would create brand credibility, which would create a consistent voice, which then would, you know, allow a more organic growth and referral system from people because they know what to expect so like some of this is short game some of it's long game and you have to think about that is not everything is immediate you're not going to be able to double your prices overnight and expect you know everything to be completely peachy you have to refine and you have to qualify why you you know are charging that um so it's a it's a finicky little fucker but we you know we will figure it out eventually (laughs) by the time I retire well I think it's like I think it's important to note that like every time you hit a goal you set a new one like or every time you're even nearing the goal you're gonna set a new one and so like this expectation that one day you're going to have it all figured out is just Mm -hmm. like it's unrealistic um yeah it's not a thing and it's just more like how can I improve how can I be better how can I earn more money how can I serve my clients better how can I be more fulfilled in my craft and just focusing on this concept of like how do I improve rather than like how do I hit this ultimate peak first place prize because that's just not a thing like I remember someone came to me the other day and they were like um so when do you get to this point that you like stop second guessing things or like you feel like totally secure and I was like I don't know what you're talking about I've never met someone that feels that way like um even even like the most like ballsy entrepreneurs all they still talk about having doubt they're just brave enough to take the chance and risk failure most mm-hmm. of us are afraid to fail because, you know, either we're too early in and we think that that then defines us. We don't have the money to invest to, because like, if that fails, then that is, I have no more money to invest in the year and in making my, you know, there's so many other mm-hmm. things. So it's like, it just, it doesn't go away. It just changes. Like it, mm-hmm. it you know, it evolves like anything else. And I think what I appreciate but about what you do, and honestly, even just like, Gen Z and like the whole thing like you guys really value your time you value um happiness and you know balance where I'm my my people don't do that um <laughs> we to suffer so it's you know it's one of those things where I've I've almost been very strategic on ROI to create a life similar to what you are already living, you know, way younger than I am. Like if I could be living that life and that mindset 
so much sooner uh, how freeing that would be. And I think right now is the way that I'm setting up my work and, and my businesses to allow me the time to do that. And I travel a lot already, but I would love to be able to just be and not have to think about anything else. And as entrepreneurs, I mean, you know, like even when we're on vacation, it's hard to turn your brain off. Um, but I really try to like have have that balance. And that's been a very like strategic and it requires effort to do. Mm. Um, it's it's not easy. Yeah, I think like thinking of your mm. ROI like that too. Like how can I earn more money? But ultimately like how can I also have more time? Like mm-hmm. how can I earn more money so I have more time? Like I think that's something really important to know is that like, you know, we can use the vanity metric of six figures that like everyone wants to hit. And it's like, do you want to earn six figures in a nice way? Or do you want to earn six figures in a grueling way? Because you can do either. Um, And so you've got to kind of define like, what does ROI mean to me? What does success mean to me? How much money do I want to earn, but at what cost? Um, And so I think that's something, you know, that's like so good to hear that like one, the money that you do invest in yourself when you're strategic about it can serve you in a really big financial sense, but also like it allowed you to take more time off. It allowed you, I mean, if you're earning double your income, that means you can take half as many weddings and still earn the same money, which is crazy. Right. Um, and so I think that's really beautiful. Um, if you, to wrap it all up, to conclude of sorts, yes. if you were talking to a photographer that's either like stuck in like the pricing trap of like I always think of like three to six thousand dollars as kind of like that dead zone the dead zone and people have such a hard time getting out of it let's say you're in that dead zone and you're like wanting to up level maybe let's say in your niche specifically to a luxury market like you're like that is what I want to break into and obviously that can look a lot like a lot of different things but like into a luxury market do you find that there's a common like couple of mistakes people make slash common solutions that you can recommend to people in order to start breaking out of that dead zone? Well, I think actually the most important thing is investing in your mindset because once we started doing mindset work, um, in my, from me, um, it was really important to understand that when I look at numbers or when I look at certain things, like for me, numbers were always like really intimidating. Like I didn't like thinking about things in terms of like six figures or whatever. And it's funny because once you earn six figures, you actually look back and you're like, wait, well, that wasn't really that hard. It wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't say that from like a, like a icky place. I say it from a, we make it harder on ourselves and get again get in our own way so for me number one priority would be mindset work um and i think that involves a coach i think that's really hard to do diy uh no matter how many how many books you read all the things you can quote you know brene brown to me all day long but i (laughs) i I really think you need to have someone holding you accountable Mm -hmm. um and and not just like a quickie, you know, like a little bit of an investment there. So number one, mindset work. Number two would be to create a plan so that when you are ready to make that shift and make that jump, let's say you're jumping from 3000 to 6,000, that's a big jump, right? So 
you know, make a plan so that, you know, when you want to make that jump, let's say it's the beginning of the year, you want, and by the fall, by the, by the lead into engagement season, if we will, you want to be to 6K. So those first seven, eight months, you need to start a savings plan of money so that you will not freak out once you raise your prices and nobody books you. Hmm. and that you're not immediately going back to getting three no's and and slashing and giving discounts no like you have to have a strategy of like hey I can weather this for a while um without panicking Mm -hmm. so I think that's a big part and then I think the other element of this if we're just going to go with the big three here is focusing on creativity for self because I think that every couple usually wants the same thing or they say some iteration of the same thing. I want timeless. I want candid. They mm-hmm. don't even know what candid is. <laughs> they don't know what it requires to get candid. And my candid is going to look very different than like John Dolan's candid. And like, there's just very different strategies of how you can do that. So like really becoming aware of your style, your personal influences, what gets you excited? What do you want to incorporate into your business, into work so that work doesn't feel like work, Mm -hmm. you know, is that destination, then you need to start traveling. You need to start shooting in different places. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's all those things that, um, you know, really focus on getting your creative juices, but like doing work for yourself, not necessarily just for a client, even if that means you're going out randomly and, and, and shooting architecture because, Mm -hmm. you know, that'll help you get better at shooting venues. Like Mm -hmm. there's just so many different ways that being creative and playing for the sake of playing for your like inner child, like is, is, really, really beneficial to your business. Mm -hmm. So I would say like, those would be my three kind of like jumping off points, but obviously there's like so many things involved with with doing it, but, um, having accountability partners and like having people cheering you on, it's really important, you know, that you surround yourself with people who are, who are like-minded, but also can, can keep you going because it's Mm -hmm. hard. Yeah. No, it really is. Oh, I love all of that. Thank you, Molly. I think that's also like, thank you for pulling back the curtain. I think, especially in the luxury market, I think it's one of the least talked about markets, in my opinion. Like, there's so much discussion. Everyone like tries to keep it as this mysterious thing. And I want to be clear I am very entry level luxury. I am not like, I am not even touching where this market goes there are you're being people, okay true but you're also no, being very no, modest <laughs> no I'm I'm being very true in a sense of when you think of when you think of luxury events and how much those budgets are and how much those photographers are getting paid I am very entry level um you know like on average this season I'm booking between 15 to 18k per wedding which is a, which is wonderful and I'm happy with it but I will say that there are still like very comparable photographers charging double what I am. And that's, that's like going into mid tier. There are photographers who are charging 67, 80, a hundred K per wedding because they can. 
and they yeah. ask for it and they get it and yeah. you know they're certain you know like certain names are gonna warrant certain price tags yeah. but there are unknowns who are charging that because they've established this value and and, and this this um you know reputation within the industry and yeah. I know that it's fairly secretive and like whatever but like numbers are just numbers and you just got to figure it out and figure out how to go up the go go up the scale as you want yeah no I think that's such a key part is like as you want because I think so many people like to be like oh that's that's literally too much money and it's like well it's too much oh, money for some people correct but much- like I want there's... the money but I I want the money but I like everyone's like oh I, you know like I aspire to be Jose Villa or Katie Mary or or whatever like any of these like quote-unquote fine art wedding photographers they all do amazing work they're all beautiful I I you know I don't want to be them I want the money yeah. but I don't want to have the pressure of being a top photographer in the in, in the industry that is a lot of work yeah it's a lot of work it's a I, lot of work I, and it's I, also I, like a photo shoot yeah, like when I, I see the celebrity the weddings I'm like yeah. I'd love the paycheck, but I don't need the name. I no. really don't. Mm-mm. Well, and I think also it's like important to remember, right? Like I was having a conversation with someone the other day, like when you would have a hundred dollars when you were 18 and how that was just like unlimited money. Like that was so crazy. Like so you would... much for that. I could get oh so no, literally for you'd be like, oh my gosh, so I can stuff. like literally do so much stuff. I like don't have to think about money for weeks, blah, blah, blah. A hundred dollars is like $2 to me at this point. That doesn't even pay for my groceries living in Manhattan. Like are living in New York, like it's nothing, right? And that doesn't I mean that that amount of money changed. For that, right? <laughs> no, literally, I'm like, I can't do anything for that. I think I spend that much on lattes. Like, yeah, it's not enough money. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not still a lot of money to an 18 year old. Um, and like vice exactly. versa. It's, it's like, a lot of it's a lot of money. If I was still in rural Wisconsin. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. I'm not splitting my time going back and forth between LA and New York. Uh, that's that hundred dollars is like my tips to the people who are like driving my cabs in into the into you know Manhattan or Midtown and the door guy at my hotel and like uh, that's gone like that so fast and I think like that's I love what you said about like instead of thinking about the money just kind of being like what is this worth to me what do Mm -hmm. I want like genuinely want to earn and at what cost yeah, that's why whenever I'm coaching anybody through my mentorship, as I always just talk about like, what's a good number to you? I don't want to tell you what to charge because if you don't feel like you're worth that number, you're not going to sell it. No. And it, that's just the, straight up how it works. Mm-hmm. You psychology, like the psychology behind it is like, you have to believe <laughs> you're worth it. So from even if you have to fake it for a while, that's fine. Like, you know, we all need a little courage every so often, but, um, you have to come up with the number. I can't give it to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Oh, okay. Well, I feel like as always, I can talk to you for a million years about every subject and we could just branch off 10 million directions. No, literally kicking in so (laughs) many tangents always. And we talk about them for hours. So I need to not wait a year and a half before I have you on the podcast next, but I'm like, that's what the workshop is for. Um, so oh I'm, I'm like, we could just literally like every, I'm like, I feel like each attendee will ask a question and we'll just give them a workshop worth of answers because we just like, yeah. um, I'm so excited, but thank you so much, Molly, for coming on the podcast and like sharing all of this. I think it's so helpful to hear like 
actual numbers. It's so helpful to hear about how to break into markets that like people, like you said, love to keep secret and kind of weird um, and like exclusive. <laughs> um, and it's just helpful to know like that there's always kind of a next step that we can take. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your knowledge. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks. And obviously we'll link everything in the show notes, but can you tell everyone where they can find you on the internet? Yeah. My photography work is mollymacaulay.com. And then the workshop series is makeprettyworkshop.com. You can see all of the upcoming workshops. Um, I have mentorship opportunities available. And then I also have just like mentorship coaching uh, that covers a bandwidth of uh, different things, including website audits, gallery curation, um, all that good stuff. So lots of, lots of stuff and same handles for uh, Instagram. Yay. We love, we love a consistent brand. Um, <laughs> you can find all of Molly's info. Yeah. Linked in the show notes. We'll link all of that for you guys. And hopefully we will see you in Tulum. Mm-hmm.